The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, May 4th, 2020. The woman in your life will do what she must do to comfort you and calm you down and let you rest now. The woman in your life, she can rest so easily. She does everything you do because the woman in your life is you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holtz, and I'm your host. And with me at the board is my friend, my partner, and engineer, Ken Norton. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. Oh, my goodness. What a beautiful morning here in Sonoma County. And I can't believe it. In three days, it's going to be two months since we've been in shelter in. Oh, my goodness. It's just it's just been an amazing experience. I've certainly learned a lot. I know that most of my friends who are boomers are becoming Zoomers now. So instead of being a boomer, now we're the Zoomer generation, which is really exciting. We've had several Zooms. I was really excited to meet with a group of uh, women leaders uh, talking about everything that's going on in their organization. And I'm just amazed at how many people... People are working at home, uh, not working at all, having to take care of children. I mean, it's just an amazing challenge. But it looks like it's kind of coming down a little bit. And hopefully in the next few weeks that we'll be able to have a little bit more uh, freedom to uh, move around. I know right now in Sonoma County they have opened the parks, which is really a pleasure. We have such beautiful parks up here. Well, I have a great show uh, today. Joining me on the phone will be Dorothy Battenfield. Dorothy was elected to the Santa Rosa Junior College Board of Trustees in 2014 and recently was elected for a second term. Uh, She was also appointed to the board as a board clerk in 2016. She serves on the California Community College Advisory Committee on Legislation and uh, also she's a trustee for scholarship uh, finance and looking at the 100th anniversary uh, committee. She's going to be giving us an update of everything that's happening at the junior college You know what's happening with students, some of the emergency things that they have put in place and how they're coping with the graduation and all this stuff that all those things that are not happening we have to look at alternative ways to to respond to all this also joining me on the phone and i'm really excited about this is hillary moore she's the co-founder of off the page which is a sebastopol based reader theater group that is dedicated to supporting the works of local writers and actors performances span uh, a wide range of material from comic tragedy dark light and beautiful and also she's going to be reading uh, a piece so we can kind of get an idea of what the readers uh, off what, what I, I just love it off the page is all about well you know I often say this our history is our strength and today today is a heartbreaking history let's put it that way it was uh, exactly 50 years ago today on May 4th 1970 that four students were shot at uh, Kent State four people were killed I mean it was the it was it was so shocking when I even talk about it. I can remember that day, and I says, "In my country, they shot students. They were protesting the uh, Vietnam War, and uh, it was it was really very sad. It was a." Uh, uh, 
Governor Reagan had called out the National Guard. I know I was at Los Angeles City College at the time. Uh, the students were in an uproar. I know uh, Ken went to was at San Jose State at the time when they actually closed down the student union. And I mean, it was a very, very upsetting time. And as as the years go by, and as we reflect upon the war, we see how unnecessary it was. You see, all the students were right, but nobody was paying attention. And for myself, you know, dealing with my family and all of a sudden coming out against war was a very, very stifling experience. You know, I believed in our country that we have freedom of speech and we have a right to address our uh, address our government and protest. And at that time, there was such resistance and also uh, bringing out the National Guard. It was it was heartbreaking. So again, my condolences go out to all those families. I'm looking at the picture here in front of me. It was a famous picture of the young woman over the dead body of her friend. I mean, really very sad, very, very sad moment. But, you know, we've had a lot of sad moments <laughs> in this country and in this world. I guess maybe that's just part of life. You know, we get up in the morning and we hope when we go to bed at night that everything is going to be okay. But as we can see, the most important thing is that we have to have community and we have to take care of one another. Well, today is a very, you know, a lot of history happened today. Uh, like I say over and over, our history is our strength. On May 1st, 1950, this is really interesting, Gwendolyn Brooks became the first African-American woman to receive the Pul- Pulitzer Prize for Poetry, named Library of Congress's Consultant in Poetry. Later on, she was called the uh, Poet Laureate in 1985. Amazing. And on May 5th, which will be tomorrow, Dr. Dorothy H. Henderson presents the results of her medical research identifying the disease of cystic fibrosis at a meeting of the American Pediatric Association. And then May 6th to the 12th is Nurses Week, and we need to honor all our nurses, especially the frontline nurses, for heaven's sakes. My goodness. All those young women on the front line taking care of people, and it's just, it's just a very very, very challenging thing, and we need to appreciate those people who are willing to do that. Then on May 8th, this was very interesting too, President Woodrow Wilson signs a proclamation designating the second Sunday in May as Mother's Day. So next week is Mother's Day, and it was uh, in May 8th, 1914, that this was declared uh, Mother's Day. And also, when uh, next week when we have the show, I have a very interesting guest on. We're a historian, and what's going to be happening is I'm going to be reading the Mother's Day proclamation that was written way back, way back when. Then on May 10th, 1872, Victoria Woodhull is nominated as the first woman candidate, oh my goodness, for U.S. President for the Equal Rights Party. I didn't even know they had an equal rights party. I've got to do a little bit more research on this. And then, of course, we have some famous people with their birthdays. And why do I say our history is our strength? Because when you know some of the things that these women have accomplished, it gives you courage to stand up and do what you need to do. Well, here, happy birthday, May 1st, 1830, and she made her transition in 1930, Mary Harris, Mother Jones, labor leader and organizer. It's her birthday. Well, happy birthday to you. And then on May 1st, uh, Evelyn Boyd Granville, the second uh, African-American woman to receive a Ph.D. in mathematics from an American university, Yale, in 1949. 
just amazing. Here's another good one. Oh, I like this. This woman was called the grandmother of the civil rights movement, Sitima, S-E-P-T-I-M-A Clark, educator, civil rights activist called the grandmother of the civil rights movement. Wow, I'm telling you, it's, it's all these women, what they have accomplished. Here on May 3rd, Estilla Macy Osborne, the first African-American nurse to earn a master's degree, integrated the American Nurses Association and served on its board of directors. What an accomplishment for that woman. Amazing. Amazing. And let's do the last. We're going to honor our lesbian sisters. Happy birthday to Dale Martin, the lesbian rights pioneer, uh, who, along with her wife, uh, Phyllis Ann Lyon, founded the Daughters of Blittis in San Francisco in 1959, the first social and political organization for lesbians in the United States. They were the first same-sex couple to be married in California in 2004. And then again in 2008. And I remember this couple, you know, and I believe that Dell made her transition in 2008. So there's a lot, you know, there is a lot to think about and a lot to know when you start looking at our history. And women have a very, very rich history. Well, you know, a lot of talk has been happening around the uh, census. And it's very interesting. We do it every 10 years. Every 10 years, people across the country and in California fill out the census in order to have an accurate count of people, of all the people in the United States. Well, I mean, I'm 80 years old. You know how many times I've filled out. That means I've had about maybe um, seven, seven times or six times I had to do the census. And it's very interesting. I really never understood what the census is all about. And, you know, now they're really pushing. They're trying to push people. And today it's a lot easier because you can go online if you have a computer and you can fill it out or, of course, mail it in. I mean, but it's so important. It is so important. And I found out also, I mean, I don't know if they've ever enforced this, but for people who do not fill out the census, it could be up to a $500 fine. I mean, it's really, it's, it's no joke. It's a very, very important. So I'm going to read this. This is what the, this is what happens with the census. The 2020 census will help decide how billions, billions of dollars will reach our families. Your answers help determine funding for dozens of programs that provide essential resources to California and, of course, to the whole country because we're all involved with it. Consensus data determines funding allocations for schools, child care programs, and maintenance projects and social assistance programs. It's very, very interesting that all these things are affected by the numbers. And the count is also mandated by the Constitution and conducted by the U.S. Census Bureau, a nonpartisan government agency. And we count the population in the United States and the five U.S. territories, Puerto Rico, American Samoa, the Commonwealth of the Northern Mariana Islands, Guam, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. Each home receives an invitation to respond to a short questionnaire online, by phone, 
or mail. And it was between March 12th and 20th, and I believe they've extended it to July. So it's very, very important that if you have not done your census, that you do it now. Very, very important, to very say the least. Well, that's a lot to think about, you know, lots to kind of explore. And that's what Women's Spaces is all about, hopefully, that we all start thinking about things and try to do things a little bit different. And I'll tell you, one of the things that I am really enamored about is the Zoom. In fact, uh, I'm uh, on the chair of a group called Entrepreneurs of Tomorrow and also the Juneteenth celebration, which is the, the uh, celebration when the African Americans first found out that they were they were free in Texas. And, and we do this celebration every year. And this year is our 50th anniversary. So what we've done is we're postponing it to next year for, to celebrate the 50th when we go out to the park and do all kinds of wonderful things. But right now we're planning a Zoom. And I think it's going to be marvelous, and I will keep people updated. And um, remember, everything that is said on this show is also on our website, www.womenspaces.com. Not to forget that. Well, we're going to do a musical break, and then I'm going to bring Dorothy Battenfield on, and I'm really excited about that. We're going to be playing a song called Shed a Little Light, sung by Diana Jokov. And when we come back, like I said, we'll be talking about the junior college, everything that's going on. And let's go ahead and listen to that song, Shine a Little Light, sung by Diana Jacob. Oh, let us turn the thoughts today to Martin Luther King. And recognizing there are ties between us, all men and women. Living on the earth Ties of hope and love Sister and brotherhood That we are bound together In our desire to see the world become A place in which our children can grow free and strong That we are bound together and now the task that stands before us And the road lies ahead We are bound and we are bound There is a feeling like the clenching of a fist There is a hunger in the center of the chest There is a passage through the darkness and the mist through the body sleeps, the heart will never rest. Shine a little light, oh, shine a little light, oh Lord, so that we can see for now. Just a little light, oh Lord, shine a little light, oh Lord. Wanna stand it all up, stand it all up, stand it all up, oh Lord. Yeah now, wanna walk it on down, shine a little light. Day. I can't get no life for another day. I can't get no life for another day. 
Cause I hung around the center of the chest There is a passage through the darkness and the mess And through the body sleeps, the heart will never rest Oh, let us turn our thoughts today to Martin Luther King And recognizing there are ties between us All men and women living on the earth Ties of hope and love, sister and brother Oh, what a memory that is. Shine a little light. I love this. Shed a little light. You know, don't get no light from the dollar bill. Don't get no light from TV. It all comes from our inner, our own inner self. Well, welcome back. Uh, You are listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine Beholtz. And I want to remind my listeners that the... uh, Opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of KBBF, its board of directors, its members, or women's spaces. Well, welcome back. Uh, you are listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And without further ado, I want to introduce my guest. Joining me on the phone is Dorothy Banafield, member of the Santa Rosa Junior College Board of Trustees. Welcome, Dorothy. Welcome to Women's Spaces. Good morning, and thank you for having me. Oh, I'm really, I'm just delighted to have you. I mean, I feel like I've followed your career for the last uh, several years, all the different elections that that you ran, and I got really got a good chance to uh, know you. Uh, before we begin, is it okay if I tell our listeners just a little bit about you? Of course. Dorothy Battenfield was elected to the Santa Rosa Junior College Board of Trustees in 2014, and I believe you were elected for a second term, right, in 2018? Yes, that's correct. She currently serves as the board vice president. She lives in Santa Rosa and represents the Santa Rosa Roner Park area on the seven-member board. She serves on the California Community College Advisory Committee on Legislation and on the Affordability Food and Housing Access Task Force. Dorothy chairs the Santa Rosa Board of Trustees uh, Finance Committee and is a member of the Scholarship uh, Committee. As a social science teacher, she's taught at Montgomery High School for 30 years and uh, she can, uh, coordinated Montgomery's uh, highly regarded international baccalaureate diploma program, which she helped to found in 1995. In 2012, Congratulations. She was named International Baccalaureate Teacher of the Year by the California Association of 1B World Schools and has been awarded two Fulbright Scholarships. Wow, two Fulbright Scholarships. That is amazing. She is a strong supporter of the community colleges and a public education and promoting better access and equity for all students. Wow, Dorothy, what is a wonderful, wonderful resume. Is there anything you would like to add? Um, no, thank you. That was very nice. Yeah, I know. I mean, I know when sometimes if somebody introduces me and I hear, I hear myself, I go, well, is that really me? So congratulations for all these wonderful accomplishments. Well, listen, you know, before we start, we're going to talk about what's happening at the Santa Rosa JC with the students, some of the emergency provisions that have been put in and some of the things that are going on on, on campus. But before that, I, you know, this is women's spaces and the whole idea is to encourage women, to encourage 
encourage women to stand up, and you have definitely done that in your life. So I believe this is your second term as trustees. Talk about what that entails, and what what is your motivation? What motivated you to run? I mean, I mean, an election is not an easy task. No, it's it's not. And I and I had a lot of help and a lot of support and a lot of encouragement from family and friends and community members and just lots and lots of people in the county. So I'm always very appreciative of that. And it's it's very important when you are going to run that you do have those support networks um, to help you in lots of different ways. But you know, I, I've been a teacher for many years. Um, I've always been committed to, to public education and especially to, to making sure that all students have better access to quality education. And plus, I've been involved politically in a lot of different issues. I'm from a very politically involved family, and I wanted to do be involved in education and have more of an impact beyond the classroom. And um, I liked the JC. You know, my kids had gone to the JC, and so I decided that this was a good place where I could run and um, have an impact, a broader impact in terms of policy and funding and, and programs for our community. Where did you get your confidence? I mean, how did what? How did you just that, for that day that you decided, okay, I'm going to run, I'm going to do this? What What were some of your challenges, and how did you get the confidence? Well, some of the confidence was, you know, from, from again, from other people encouraging me and supporting me. Um, you know, my mother had run for office. She was one of the first women elected to the New Hampshire, actually, state legislature when I was growing up. So oh. I give her a lot of credit. Um, but then I think a lot of it was just... Um, Ignorance also was that I didn't know what, what I was getting into, and when I decided to run, I didn't actually know how much work was going to be involved, which was maybe good, because then once I got into it, um, it was too late to back out, so I just kept going. Well, you were certainly you were certainly well-received, and congratulations on winning a second time. I remember when I first met you at the No Name Group, and I was just, I, I had no idea. I knew nothing about trustees until, until I actually met you, to be honest. Well, listen, it's been two months now. On the 7th, on the 7th of this month, it's going to be two months since we've got this uh, shelter-in-place happening. And it's been a real challenge for all of us, particularly, I mean, when I think, I was reading the Press Democrat about the students and, you know, not being, some of them not being able to graduate, you know, all these traditional things that we do that we can't do. So why don't you talk about what is happening on the Santa Rosa JC campus and how did this impact students and how did it impact just the, the whole the whole campus? Well, obviously, it's, it's, it's had a huge impact. You know, this happened just as we were going on spring break, and and so we decided um, before spring break, we initially we thought, well, we'll be closed for spring break, and we'll close for another week while we kind of figure out what's going on and let, you know, our faculty and staff do some planning. Then, of course, that turned into, you know, we're closed for the semester. And, and so, I mean, I, I have to give, you know, a huge amount of, of credit to our faculty and staff who just really stepped up and they've been working collaboratively. They've been getting a lot of input from student groups about, you know, how can we move our classes um, onto some kind of remote format so that students can continue and pass their classes and, and, and keep getting credit. 
and and we have been able to put almost ninety five percent of our courses, you know, are, are being offered remotely now. You know, there were a few classes that unfortunately we had to cancel that we just couldn't do remotely. You know, career education classes like welding. You know, some of the theater classes, and and unfortunately, a lot of our health op- occupations and, and public safety classes. You know, that require you know clinical real time work. Um, but otherwise, you know, we've we've been moving forward. Um, it's been an easy transition for some students and faculty. It's been much much more difficult for other students. How do you how do you handle if say a student doesn't have a, a a computer or lives in a remote area where they're not getting internet? I mean, I've heard that complaint quite a bit. That's and, and that's a big. Both of those are big issues for our county. I mean, we did um, we have given out lots and lots of loaner laptops for students. I think we've given out over three hundred right now. And um, we're continuing to try to um, let students know that if they need laptops, if they need other kinds of technology, um, we'll, we'll, we'll make sure that, that they have it. Um, we've also um, tried, we've been work, we've got some hotspots set up um, so that students who don't have access to, to internet, maybe at home, um, can can use the hotspots. It's not ideal, but you know those are the kinds of things in terms of technology access that that we're working on. Well, you know the most amazing thing to me about this whole pandemic and this whole shelter in place thing is how well the community has worked together, and all communities. I mean, it's been it's been very even even when they had the protest on Sunday. I noticed everybody was six feet apart. And so it was, it was, it's been a very, very, very challenging uh, time for people. What, what, what what are the primary needs right now? I mean, you're, you're on the air and I'm hoping there's a lot of people listening here. What, what, how can folks help and what are some of the things that you're doing to uh, reach out to the community and what are some of the things that you think are important for the folks to know about? Yeah, thank you for asking. That's, that's really important. I mean, I mean, in terms of academic needs, you know, our faculty and staff are working really hard to make sure, you know, they're working on curriculum, they're working on student services, on counseling, on tutoring, all in all different modes. Um, but it's a lot of the non-academic needs where we're really relying on the community support. So, you know, students need more technology. Um, but a lot of it is just students are really struggling with basic needs, you know, food, housing, paying their rent, paying their utilities, health care costs, child care costs. I mean, those are where um, we're really um, trying to do, you know, make sure that, that students have that because otherwise, obviously, they can't continue in school if their basic needs aren't met. And so, you know, we did get about um, $3 million from the federal government, from the CARES Act, that we can give directly to students for emergency aid. And so I would really encourage people to spread the news um, that people can go to the financial aid page, students can go to the financial aid page of the SRJC website um, and apply, um, and they can immediately get um, a $500 emergency grant for expenses related to the, the coronavirus crisis. Um, and that's great for a lot of our students. Unfortunately, because it's the federal government and because they discriminate, um, certain students aren't eligible. 
Um, so if you don't have a Social Security number, um, you can't apply for the federal money. So that's why we have set up a crisis response fund so that we can give money to students who don't qualify for the federal money. So, you know, DACA students, undocumented students, international students. Um, there's, you know, students who aren't qualifying. So we're really trying to raise as much money as we can in the community through our fund and are and are encouraging people to to donate to the fund so that we can make sure that when we give emergency aid we're not discriminating you know that any student who who needs the help can can get it well you know we're we're you know we're all on we're all in this together we're all in this and we all live on one planet and we must support each other how do people do that how do they donate how do they get in touch with you or what are some what are some uh, ideas that you have how can they well how can, the, the, the easy way is to just go to um, the SRJC foundation website and it's just foundation.santarosa.edu and there's a big donate button and then you can um, specifically donate to the um, student crisis fund. Oh, that's amazing. And I, I really, on behalf of, I remember being a student and, you know, how much every little bit helps. And the fact that we care, and you care enough to say that big word, you're not discriminating. Of course, you know, we have to go, these are these are young people who are trying to get educated, trying to get a better life for themselves. For heaven's sakes, we need to recognize that. And also, just to remind my listeners, all the information that you've just heard, if you didn't write it all down, don't worry about it. You can just go on www women's spaces and we'll have it all listed in fact if you'd like dorothy you can email me a little blurb about it and we'll put it on the website so people that, know that so they, would be great oh We're yes anything really we can do appreciative of of all the community support at this point it, well, and i and the students um, appreciated. It makes them feel like you know. And, and what we're doing is we're building our future. You know, we're building our our our, our future community, our future workers um, that, that are going to be essential, not just for today but beyond. And, and so I think it's just really, really important that 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 we all step up and say yes, we're here for you. Well, you know, one of the themes of women's spaces is is the children are our future. We must never lose sight of that. And the more, the better educated, the better future we have. And, I mean, it's that simple to me. Well, we're coming to the end of the segment. You know, time goes by really quick when you're having fun here. Any ideas when the college is going to open, the Santa Rosa JC or any of the colleges across the uh, California are going to be opening? And also, how are we handling graduation? Are we postponing it or is it, are you going to have a big graduation? Graduation maybe in 2021. How are they handling that? Well, we're actually we actually asked for a lot of student input, and they gave us a lot of ideas. And based on what they want, is is we're going to have two graduations. So we're going to have a virtual graduation in May because oh, some good. students want to hey. do that right now. Um, <laughs> but then we're also going to have an in person graduation later next year for students who want that in person experience. So we're going to do both. Well, what a wonderful, I'll tell you, you've done my heart good listening to you, knowing that our students are being taken care of and are being supported. And thank you so much, Dorothy. Are there any last words you'd like to say, any websites, any anything? Just take take a few seconds to say whatever you on your heart. Um, no, I think we're just, you know, this is a challenging time for everyone. And I think a lot of it is just, you know, the uncertainty. Um, and so, you know, we've announced that we're going to keep offering remote classes through the fall 
just to make sure that we have time to do that planning and, and that we're there for students, but we're going to try to see if some of the classes that have to be taught on campus, you know, that we can offer those, like for our public safety and our nurses and, and some of those things. But I think it's just um, we're all trying to, you know, look forward and, and do what we can do to make sure that whatever is happening, you know, we can meet the needs of um, our community, our, our, our staff and faculty and our students and, um, and work together. That's what we need to do is work together and listen to each other. Very important. And I'm so proud of our, our JC. Actually, my neighbors across the street, two of their daughters went to the Santa Rosa JC, went through the nursing program. And it was quite a challenge for them. So you know it's a very, very serious and well thought out program. It's, it's, yeah, it's a great program. One of the best in the state. Well, Dorothy Benefield, thank you so much for being on Women's Spaces. And please keep in touch. And if there's any announcements or anything that you feel is important that we need to tell the folks here in, in Sonoma County and across, actually, it goes to 18 counties, anything that you might find out or anything that you need to let us know, please do not hesitate to call me. And I'm always happy to make an announcement. Okay. Thank you so much, Elaine. I very much appreciate talking to you. And I enjoyed it. Well, I, I, enjoy- I love I love talking about the community college. Well, that's why that's why you're on the board of trustees. That's why we voted for you. So thank you so much, Dorothy Bannerfield. Well, okay. thank you very much. What a great community we live in. You know, we just we really have all communities. I mean, when you start thinking about it, people helping each other, reaching out, and again, a reminder. Everything that Dorothy talked about will be on Women's Spaces. www womenspaces.com so don't hesitate to go online and do that well we're going to take another musical break and I'm so excited about this because I'm going to be interviewing um, Hillary Moore who's the co-founder of Off the Page uh, which is a reading uh, reading program in a, uh, a reading performance uh, pro, uh, group and I'm very excited that she actually has a daughter by the name of Pia Jacobs and I've just just introduced to her and it just she just is a wonderful songwriter and beautiful singer and I found this great song it's it's called it's no sin to be poor what a great thought it's no sin to be poor and listen one of the lines three jobs and a couple of babies i mean that doesn't sound doesn't sound like some of us out there i remember when i was going to school and i was a single parent oh my goodness gracious it's not a sin to be poor, you know. I mean, it, we shouldn't be poor. We're a rich country. Everybody should have their basic needs met. But, you know, that's, an, that's another thought. So we're going to take a musical break, and we're going to play this song, No Sin to Be Poor, sung by Pia jo- uh, Jacobs. And when we return, joining me on the phone will be Hillary Moore, who's the co-founder of Off the Page, which is a Sebastopol-based reader theater group that is dedicating to supporting the works of local writers and actors. Performances span a wide range of material from comic, tragic, dark, light, and beautiful. Also, just to let you know, a bit of background, Pia Jacobs is actually Hillary Moore's daughter. So we're having a mother-daughter thing here this morning, and I'm always really excited about that. So let's go ahead and let's play the song, Ken, and then we'll bring Hillary on. As if you got nothing but time You got your kids counting on you 
Goodness, that really woke us up this morning, I'll tell you. And it is no sin to be poor. I remember when I was going to school, you know, and I had to have some assistance. And boy, after I graduated and went to work, I paid back 10 times what I received from the state. So this is a very timely, timely song. Remember, it's no sin to be poor. In fact, I don't think anybody should be poor, but you know, that's just my opinion. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And joining me on the phone is Hillary Moore. Welcome, Hillary. Welcome to Women's Spaces. Thank you. Good morning. Boy, it was great to hear your daughter. A very timely song. Thank you, but can I please correct? Her name is Pi, like the math symbol, just Pi. Oh, Pi. Well, how did I pronounce it? You said Pia. Oh, That's a whole different name. (laughs) Okay, Pi Jacobs. Yes. So if people are looking for her website or Facebook page, they need to know how to say and spell her name. Right. Well, everything's on our website on on Women's Spaces. So anyway, before we start, I'd like to tell our our listeners a little bit about you. Is that okay, Hillary? Sure. That's fine. I just loved loved your bio. It's so personal. Hillary had a humble beginning. Her early roots were in Hunter's Point Housing Project in San Francisco. After several moves and upgrades, the 
family moved to Corte Madero, which was quite a change. After graduating high school, she lived in Mexico City for five months, became bilingual, and started a lifelong love of the Latino culture. Hillary married at age 20 and their daughter at tw- had her daughter at 21. She worked as a waitress, a mail carrier, and teacher while raising her daughter as a single mom in San Francisco, later in Grayton. Her acting performances began as in um, improvisation. You know, I did improvisation in New York when I was very, very young. Yeah, she, you told me that. Yeah, she moved to Reading, to Port Townsend, Washington, and finally back to Sonoma County. Since retirement, she's been teaching Spanish at home and producing, directing, and acting in off-the-page readers, a, a, a theater, a Sebastopol-based reader theater group that is dedicated to supporting the works of local writers and actors. Performances span a wide range of material from comic, tragic, dark, light, and beautiful, which she is co-founder of. And you did, you found, you co-founded it with two other people, I believe. Uh, yes, I did. Um, Pat Hayes, Mike Hayes, and I met during a 24-hour theater project in Petaluma, and we just fell in like. And I had uh, done some readers' theater in Petaluma, but I wanted to expand, move north and west, and also really focus on local writers exclusively. So um, one afternoon, evening, after probably some glasses of wine, I just twisted their arms, and they agreed to start it with me. And I'm so grateful they did, because it's been a good journey. So how long have you been doing this now? Uh, that this group started in 2013. So, boy, you got to yeah. yes, that's that's quite that's quite an accomplishment, particularly for a readers group to stay and in, in involved that long. So, congratulations to you. Thank you. You know, here's our secret sauce. When we started it, we uh, decided that we would have just a few rules, but number one was no divas. So, for several shows, we've. Um, had guest actors join us and if if the group really fits with the new person we will ask them to join us but number rule one (laughs) no divas and then of course all the other things that go along with being a good actor no but i think I, i think that saved us as a group because we really are a fair close equal opportunity group you know everybody has a say and nobody's precious but you know i think what's so important about that which comes to mind because i've been into so many groups and Mm -hmm. that whole diva complex you know all of a sudden you get a little power and you think you know and i think it's so important that you just say hey listen we know this could be an issue we all want to get along so no divas here so i I really i really think that's really a, a great a great a great rule. So what are some of the great challenges you have? And then I also I understand you, you have a little piece prepared for us. I believe it's a three-minute piece. So let us know a little bit about your challenges, and then let's go into the piece. How's that? So challenges as to the theater group, as to the uh, theater, teaching, the personal, whatever. Whatever theater challenges group? are important to you. Uh, Well, they're all important, aren't they? (laughs) But let's just focus on the theater group. Um, The thing with Off the Page is it takes months of preparation before we can put on a show because we put out a theme and we have to wrangle and duke it out to get the theme, to get agreement on a theme. Uh, We send that out to all the writers that we know about and the organizations that have writers. 
and then we have to wait for probably about six weeks for them to submit their pieces to us and we perform stories short plays poems excerpts from books um, even song lyrics would work so there's a variety of stuff that comes in and many submissions like usually over 50 for a show wow so i'm just the front door you know people send their works to me and then i send them on to the group that decides and uh, i read 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 (laughs) as does everybody and then we get together and the pieces that we think will work best after they've been rated by the group uh, we read those aloud and see do they fit will they make a show because it's not just the individual piece it's how does it work as a part of the whole show it's like we're making a symphony um, so somehow that has to flow together uh, and, and after that and that's already been like eight weeks maybe of, of time then we start rehearsal <laughs> so and rehearsals go for probably six weeks and then we can put on the show so typically we only do a couple of shows a year and uh, this year coming up our June show of course was cancelled and we're hoping to mount it in September that's what we're looking forward to is that the one detour yes that's detour we have the pieces chosen there are ten writers um some of whom are new to us I think it's going to be a great show just hopefully we'll be able to actually put it on where people can come and enjoy it well just where, where do you generally perform our our usual homes are Copperfields in Santa Rosa uh, Abacus in Sebastopol and sometimes Church of the Oaks in Katati those are our usual homes so you would you would do do you perform in one place or do you have a piece and then you go to each in, in individual place and in, and perform it? We perform the whole show maybe three or four times per show. So we will do, for example, a couple of evenings in Copperfields. We can't do a daytime show there, of course, because it's a bookstore. And then we'll do a daytime show at Abacus because it's uh, closed on the weekend, so we can do a matinee on a Sunday in their beautiful lobby. And then Church of the Oaks, same thing. We have to work around church service or meetings and so on that they have there. Well, I think I think it. I would love to hear what you're going to read. I know it's a three-minute piece. Is this something you wrote, or is this some but something somebody submitted to you? Uh, this time, it's something I wrote for this particular show. Okay. And what What is the name of it? The name is "Pull Back the Curtain," and uh, it's a story, a true story, about when I carried mail in San Francisco in the early happy hippie days. So go ahead, my friend. Okay. Pull back the curtain. She was one of the gems on my mail route. Lonely, aged, relegated to the in-law flat in front of her son's electric shop. Dear gray Mrs. Popoff, in layers of ancient clothes, squarely built but soft all over. Wispy, kind, forlorn. And not one word of English could she speak. This is how we met by the calculated escape of Boris, her ancient dog. As I started the long trek up Clayton Street, leather pouch squeaking against my hip, Mrs. Popoff would step outside in hopes of receiving a rare letter. 
in the process, she let old Boris, a once black lab, now tinged with gray and mangy hindquarters, burst through the door and lumbered up the hill. <laughs> in consternation, Mrs. Popoff gestured, mumbling urgently in Russian, first at Boris, then in my direction. The plea was clear. And good old Red Cross me would chase the dog and bring him back, hoping all the while that mange was not contagious. Weeks went by, and this almost daily ritual wore thin. But not for Mrs. P. Each time she managed looks of such surprise, as if this were Boris' first escape. One particularly warm morning, I did, in fact, have mail for her and she withheld the dog. In her hand, a glass of what appeared to be mint tea, and she was offering it if only I would step in. Close up like that, and inches from her window I couldn't keep from peering in. As she pulled back the curtain, I glimpsed a bit of Dickens, a scene composed so long ago when she was in her prime. Lace doilies everywhere, with knickknacks, cherished photos on the mantle. Between the curtains and the window glass, the mold was vying with the dust for control. The musty smell of old decaying things, the unkempt woman struck my queasy nose. Meanwhile, the winsome smile, the watery eyes, the tea in hand beckoned me to share some life with her. It was the bravest, sweetest drink I ever took. Oh, that was beautiful. Thank you. I can almost I can almost see her coming to the door. Oh, I can too. All these years later I can still see her square gray self. And the dog also. And the dog. Good old Boris. Yeah. Well, you know, we're we're dog lovers ourselves. We have a little dog, Rosie, and you know, with this, you know, shelter in place, you know, it's just the three of us, right? But dogs are are just amazing. So that piece that you read was that part of a performance then? Uh, that will be in our next show. Okay, so that's part of the detour. Yes. Yes. Okay. So so in that piece, in that piece, what does that what is that detouring? The fact that you sat and you had tea with her. Well, the detour, the first detour is Boris and the daily chase of Boris. That certainly wasn't part of my route. And, you know, as mail carriers, when you're walking, you you have a big challenge to get it done in your four to six hours. So that was a a daily detour. But the the final detour and the most important one was to accept her glass of tea. Yeah, to accept. The, the fact that, you, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting because right now with the shelter in place, we're leaving a lot of mail for our mail person. Yeah. And so I was thinking, I made these uh, a magnet, I'm thinking of leaving him a card and something like that. Like, thank you to say thank you. So maybe you can give me a little advice. <laughs> you think that's a good idea? Because I think it's a wonderful idea. They probably cannot accept uh, any lavish gift and they probably can't or don't accept food so i think a card is a lovely idea yeah, yeah. I, I very just, nice 
because you know as you were as you were telling as you were telling the story i also could not help but think of you know with the post office being in trouble right now and all the things around that i can't couldn't help but think how important i mean here's this woman waiting for something waiting for some mail and it sounds like she's from russia you know she's waiting for some mail and it really it really highlights how important how really important our post office is so thank you thank you for sharing it that was beautiful oh you're so welcome now how do people get in touch with you how do they get involved we're coming very quickly to the end of the segment how do they get okay. involved <laughs> and and if you could tell us you know how they uh contact you what are your requirements of course uh first is email sonoma county off the page at gmail.com uh second would be our facebook page off the page readers theater and the other one would be our website, offthepagetheater.com. So that's it. If you if you Google off the page, you're going to find us. So do people, they, they go on your website, do they then write you that they want yeah. to submit something or do they submit it as? Well, they can write me to find out about the process, but we don't take submissions until it's time for to prepare for another show. So first we give out the theme. And then they send in their work. But if they want to contact me, of course, I'll put them on a list of people to inform when a new theme comes up or uh, to let them know when our show is going to finally appear because none of us know that right now. You know, we're in a strange time like everyone. So it sounds like the process is people go on the websites, find out about it. Then they could yeah. contact you, get a little bit more information. And then the theme comes in for them to wait for the theme. I'm sure once they contact you, you're, they're on a mailing list. And then, then you right. let them know the theme and then they can submit the work. And then it's evaluated, right, by the group to see if that's something they want to do or if it fits in with your theme. Mm-hmm. You got it. That's it in a nutshell. And then it, it you don't you it, now the people that you bring you have your group, but you also bring in new actors each time. Occasionally, not every time. If we need uh, another man or woman, we will audition people. And I would love to mention the names of our troupe if I could. Go I'm right ahead. To close, uh, Mike Hayes, Jeff Savage, Kathleen Haney, Spencer Sherman. R.W. Hessler and Beth Moise. You know, we had Kathleen Herney on, who read a little piece. We did an interview as if she was Alice Paul, which was absolutely. I don't know if you listened to it, but I it, did. It was I wonderful. It was it was absolutely wonderful, and I've never done anything like that. Turned something like that into a radio script, and I was just I was just thrilled by it. Well, my friend, we have come to the end of the segment. Are there any last words that you'd like to share with our listening audience? Uh, just everybody, stay safe, but keep listening, keep watching, support the theater, arts, and music. We're all going to get through it somehow. Yes. And thank you, thank you, Elaine, for doing your show. And thank you. And please let Pi know that I played that song, and she was she was just wonderful. She's. I said, please send me the lyrics. I needed the lyrics. She sent it right away, and we we were able to get it on a flash drive. This is something that we've done that is relatively new. So, yeah. th- so thank it you very much. Great. <laughs> and just so you know that that song was dedicated to me and based on our lives as you know, young single mom and so on. 
Oh, so, and, yeah, we know that song. And and I, I'll tell you something. I know that song. I also yeah. raised my daughter as a single mother. Well, thank you so much, Hillary Moore, for being on Women's Spaces. Thank you, Elaine. Well, that's it for our show. A special thank you to Dorothy Benefield from Santa Rosa JC for giving us such wonderful, wonderful information. And to Hillary Moore for reading, for letting us know about her organization. And also, you know, everything that we said will be on our website at www.womenspaces.com. And a reminder, Dorothy said it so beautifully. Our children are our future, and we must never lose sight of that. And also, like Hillary said, to support your local community theaters and actors and radio stations. I mean, here we are. We're a community radio station, and most of the people volunteer. You know, it's it's an amazing process. It really is. A reminder, tell your friends Women's Spaces will be aired again tonight at 11 p.m. This is Elaine B. Holt. You've been listening to Women's Spaces. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to being with you the next time. The previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, May 4th, 2020.